When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Hey, welcome into Purple Daily. Our guest on this episode is going to be senior NFL writer Charles Robinson on the Vikings and NFL's return to play or turn to training camp. This week, but a quick shout out and thank you to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been helping Purple Daily and Score North for a number of years, but particularly these last few months supporting us. And so we want to support them as well and tell you if you're a business owner, it's really, really tough these last four months and going forward uh, to just sort out all of the different changes and all the different policies uh, state by state. Federated has been helping local business owners in the state of Minnesota for over 100 years. You can trust them. You can rely on them for trusted resources and materials. To find out more, go to federatedinsurance.com to uh, to find your local representative. And remember, at Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. <laughs> you like that? You like that? All right, welcome in to Purple Daily with Mackie and Judd Goff producing, and we're going to introduce our guest on today's episode in just a moment. But a quick thank you to everyone who has subscribed to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash scorenorth, where we pump daily Vikings content into your feed. We also have a second YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Mackie Judd, for all of our non-Vikings discussions, whether it's twins or action movie rewinds or write that down predictions. You can find us and we appreciate you subscribing to those channels. Charles Robinson has been a friend of the show over the years, and he is a senior, senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports and very plugged into the league. And so, Charles, thanks for joining us again on the show. Um, I guess our perception of this whole back and forth between players and owners in the NFL is you guys literally had like four months during this pandemic to come up with safety protocol and some sort of plan that everyone can agree on. And now it's like the, the assignment is due tomorrow and nobody has started their paper yet. That's how it feels. What can you tell us? Yeah. Procrastination at its finest by the NFL. Uh, I, you know, I, I want to be hard on them, but at the same time, you know, when you go through, the granular details with both the union and league side sources, it does sound like a miniature CBA that's trying to be worked out here. Um, And as we all know, collective bargaining usually takes years. Um, You can't really shake and bake it, but that's what they're trying to do right now. But if you want to fault the league on anything, it's that we got to Friday and one of the linchpins of sort of moving forward was the league. Every team had to put in, Um, an infectious disease emergency response plan, which is just basics of like, hey, if something goes wrong here, here's what our protocols are going to be. Here's how everything's going to be laid out. 
and that's a really easy foundational thing to sort of have worked on a month ago, two months ago, six months ago. Um, and only a handful of teams had actually submitted their initial versions of it, which is why players essentially on Friday um, got together on a conference call and they're like, look, if we get to Sunday and we're still asking some of these questions, we need to say something. Like a number of us need to go out on social media and apply pressure. Um, J.J. Watt, who lives here in Houston, was one of the the guys who was pushing for that, Byron Jones of the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, we saw a multitude of players come out and talk about it on uh, social media on Sunday. But a lot of this is just prodding the NFL to, you know, like, look, let's not get this down to the 11th hour and be working through the night on July 27th, <laughs> uh, going into July 28th to get this done. And, you know, look, the rookies um, that will show up in Kansas City and Houston, they'll be the canary in the coal mine, at least for what the first day of camp will look like for some guys, because basically they're just going to show up and get tested and go home. And we're going to see how quickly a limited number of tests come back for these two franchises. Um, they should show up again on Tuesday, get tested again. Um, and, you know, it's going to give the league an idea, at least initially, of uh, one little part of this. How easy is it going to be to get the testing back quickly? Do, do you think that there's a chance here, too? Because the only way that I see the players um, approach working is if you have um, the, the players who came out and, and tweeted the star power players say, we are not showing up until X, Y, and Z. Do you think that these players potentially are going to do that? And if so, is there a real chance, as we have this discussion right now, that the season does not start on time? Or is this just all right now sort of preliminary summertime posturing? I, I, no, I would say there's a chance. You know, I, I think for um, the organization of the players to be what it was on Sunday, and you're talking about mega stars coming out and saying, you know, like, hey, we need, you know, here, here are the worries that I have. Here's why I'm saying some of what I'm saying. Um, I think that when July 28th comes, if it's just a total mess, I think you could have, you know, some of the elite players. I Look, I, in terms of leverage, I think it's as simple as getting half the league starting quarterbacks. If you got 16 guys who just said, you know what, we're not going to show up, and some of those guys are Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes or whoever else – um, the league's going to get this, you know, resolved pretty quickly, whatever the remaining issues are. So um, I still think it's going to start on time because, look, with the NFL, unless something goes wrong with the testing returns with the rookies um, in Kansas City, Houston, which could happen over the next 48 to 72 hours, we could see that this is far messier and and there's more lag than any of us thought. Um, it's going to come down to getting the economics figured out, which they have about a month and a half to figure out what they want to do with the cap ramifications. They can take this right up to the beginning of the, the season, um, figuring out the economics of it. But the testing's got to be finished. Um, they need to know what the protocols are going to be for camp. That's something that's still being worked out. Uh, the preseason games, and I, I, if people should understand the preseason games being cut from two to one. It's significant for half the teams in the league because now only 16 teams get a dry run of a preseason game at home and 16 teams don't. And you know how the team feels about competitive equality. You have Mark Davis coming out complaining about not having fans in the stands. Well, you're going to have 16 teams that go, so our dry run comes in the regular season. So we have to we have to get this done when everything's real versus 16 teams that are going to get one shot at this um, when things aren't necessarily real. Um, that's a problem. So um, it's there's a lot still to be worked out, but even the mo most pessimistic people I spoke to on Friday were like, look, 
we're getting close on a lot of things, but the economics. So like the economics is going to take longer, but uh, it seems everybody feels like they can get all the other issues hammered out by July 28th. It feels to me in, in terms of just preventing like half of a roster from, you know, either contracting COVID or, or coming in close contact. It seems like the NFL is in a tougher predicament than some of the other sports. NBA is a very close contact sport too. Like in baseball, they're swapping out the baseball, basically every pitch. And, uh, and if you're the third baseman, like you don't really have to come in contact with anybody, especially if you, uh, are, like are sitting 10 feet away in the dugout. But in the NFL, you know, there's been a couple people who have, who have chirped in and said, if I'm an offensive lineman and I test positive and I've now been in the huddle with all of these other guys yep. and then blocking defensive players, uh, like there might literally be 30 guys that they come in close contact with easily. That's like, to me, that's the Rubik's cube. Like what, what if this happens on a Thursday or a Friday, does a team get wiped out because they can't put together enough negative tests in time for a Sunday game? Like where is the NFL at with that part of the conversation? Yeah. I mean, well, that's a, that's the, that is the sort of red button scenarios. What if, what happens? And, and, and I think offensive linemen are a great example. Defensive linemen are a great example because you have guys who, you know, particularly offensive linemen who might be smashing into the other guys, 40, 50 snaps a game. And they end up at the end of the game, you've taken a shower and spit blood, sweat, like, you know, everything. And so if anybody's going to contract it, it's going to be these guys that are, that are smashing. football for other. you, baby. <laughs> there you go, right there. Um, and so I guess the long, the, the long and short of it is if a scenario happens where there is a widespread breakout, there's no real protocol to deal with. Like that's just a, you cross that bridge when you come to it situation. It's like, you know, we can have all the best laid plans, but if all of a sudden an entire unit's wiped out, um, particularly if say it's on a Saturday. So here, here's what the NFL to give you sort of a microcosm of what the NFL would like the testing protocols to look like. They would like it to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so that they can get tests back Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, because they feel like we can, we've been told we can get these tests back in a 24 hour period. Let's see, you know, that's dubious, but let's see if that actually happens. And the idea being that, um, okay, well, we'll know we have these three parts of the week where we'll definitely know what if it's on a Saturday, what if all of a sudden four offensive linemen on a Saturday after install, by the way, after all these things have been put in place, have they test positive? Well, you're taking an entire unit off the field. You're, you know, Kirk Cousins now has to be worried that he's going to get, you know, hammered because it's backup offensive linemen playing and you're pulling guys in off the streets or your practice squad. Um, It's, you know, it's a very nerve wracking thing, but this is so complicated. I saw that Mark Cuban came out and said, look, this is going to be harder than the bubble, the NBA's bubble. There's no doubt about that because there's, this is the matrix. There's like 50 million. <laughs> it's a Rubik's cube inside a Rubik's cube. Yep. There's 50 million things to work out. And if only a few things go wrong, this can jump the tracks pretty quickly. Can this be done then in, in you know, because foot, football has been so far, Charles, you know, they had the draft, the virtual draft. And we all said that that ain't going to work. It, it went fine. Schedule comes out. Let's break it down because it's a schedule. But, but the closer we get to actually playing games in your mind, is this doable in its no- normal form? Like, I get that we're going to try. OK, and, and I'm, I'm not saying go home and cry and that's it. But just as far as, you know, 17 weeks of football and playoffs and blah, blah, blah. In your mind and in talking to people in the league, are they painting this as doable or are they painting this as a long shot that they're just sort of hoping? 
look, um, in the most honest moments that I have, particularly on the team side with guys, they're like, yeah, man, we, you know, we're going to try. <laughs> like, like, it's sort of a, no one has confidence that this is all going to go really well. And, but I had someone about a month ago um, when I was circling around with teams, kind of trying to get an idea of whether or not this was on track. Um, I had a source who said to me, he's like, look, what we're going to do is we're going to give it a shot. We're going to give it our best shot. Like we're not going to cancel it before it even, you know, before we even try it, we're going to go out there. We're going to try to do this. And if it goes wrong, no one's ever going to be able to look at us and say, well, you didn't try hard enough or you just canceled. You gave up before. He, basically, he was like, we're going to do the best we can. It's likely something's going to go wrong, if not with our franchise, with other franchises. That's going to be significant. And we're going to be put to a question. The union's going to be put to a question. Players are going to be put to a question. And team owners are going to be put to a question about what is truly doable. Um, I will tell you this. I think if you actually can figure out a way to pull off a 16-game regular season, a postseason, and a Super Bowl, it will be probably the greatest undertaking in NFL history to have gone through this era of this epidemic and and actually have sports played. It's just because it's so complicated and there's so many guys involved. And I think the the evidence of that is as we've drawn closer, all these players are seeing this as real and you're seeing a number of players who are, they're kind of panicked and you're realizing that, hey, this is – 53 players plus an expanded practice squad plus coaches, all these individuals who not only have to have discipline, but have to overcome the anxiety of everything going wrong. Why aren't we um, at least talking about um, some coaches not coaching too? Because this is the one thing I don't get. If a player gets sick. Because Judd. Football. I know. I'm I'm banking banking that a player won't die, okay? I might be wrong, but I'm banking on that. But, I mean, the amount of former players that coach, you know, Zim is like 63. Like, these right. are high risk. This is dangerous. You could die. Um, right. Why aren't we talking about teams going to coaches and saying, you know, you know what? We all love football, but if you die, you, you ain't coming back from that to coach in 2021. Yeah, I look, it's real. Okay. Like, it's there are a number of coaches that are from an age standpoint are falling in the the high risk category. But beyond that, look, I'm a big guy. Okay. And my, my girl's a nurse. Okay. She goes into COVID unit. She works in a COVID unit. She comes home and I'm like, I've always told her, listen, if, if there's, you know, one person in the house that really has to be nervous about this, it's me. It's, not, <laughs> you know, it's like, I get it. Like, like you're, but you're in great shape. You ride the Peloton every day. I'm about 40 pounds overweight, even probably more than that. And I'm like, look, so I'm worried, but Andy Reed. Okay. Like Andy Reed, not in the greatest shape. Okay. Mike, Mike, Mike McCarthy. Okay. Up yep. in, in Dallas, not in the greatest, like there are coaches who frankly, from a physical standpoint, if we're listening to what people are saying, um, is sort of the danger zone for COVID. There are coaches that, I mean, Mike Zimmer, you know, God bless him for, for his age is in great physical shape. You know, there are coaches that are in great shape, but there are a lot of different factors that I think for coaching staffs do resonate here. And that's probably the, the one part of this that we haven't heard is maybe some coaches who have some significant reservations. And I'll tell you, they exist. I'm here in Houston and the coaching staff here in Houston, knowing we're a hotspot, knowing the mayor is like, hey, we need a mandatory shutdown except for frontline healthcare workers um, of two weeks. There are coaches on the Houston Texans coaching staff that are like, yeah, maybe, maybe we need a little delay here. Like maybe we just need to push this back a little bit and let some of the hotspot cities 
at least feel a little bit better about operating under this. Charles Robinson, last thing for you here. You brought, you brought up the salary cap and how we still have some time to play with here before the NFL you know figures out just the economic ramifications of 2020. So the Vikings are one of many teams that have decisions to make on players. I mean, Dalvin Cook uh, wants a new contract, and we love Dalvin Cook here. He's a great player. The Vikings love Dalvin Cook. He's also a running back, and Alex Madison is the backup, and he averaged four and a half yards a carry. And so I guess my question to you is, if you're a team like the Vikings and you're trying to make a decision on a Dalvin Cook, do you pay him $12 million a year or whatever it's going to be? Do teams have any idea what the salary cap? Because to me, that's a big deal. I, maybe I'll pay you twelve million if I know the cap's going to be two hundred million. Right. Not if it's going to be one hundred seventy million dollars. What do right. you know? Well, this is this is actually um, one of the easier, I guess, arguments to sort of break down here because the the union and I actually think a lot of teams feel this way would like it spread out in the aggregate. So whatever financial hit we take, let's just spread it out over the length of, of the next CBA. We'll rob Peter to pay Paul, but we won't notice it in the aggregate because we'll just be rolling back X amount every year. It just won't. It, so it'll be an incremental drawback. The league, at least up until Friday, the negotiating stance has been, and I don't think this has changed, frankly, through the weekend, was, hey, let's just, let's just take the hit up front. Like, we just want to take the hit up front. The union doesn't really believe they want to take that up front. The union's sitting there going, really, you're just going to shave, you know, X amount of off the cap next year, take a massive hit the next two seasons, and then do what? A number of you, okay, Dallas, you're pressed up against the cap and you're top heavy, and you got to pay Dak Prescott $37.7 million next year under the tag. You're going to deal with this? Really, Jerry Jones, who makes deals, is all of a sudden going to go, yeah, let's just go ahead and, you know, um, take an entire, you know, uh, tier off of our cap. I think what's going on is, or at least this is how the union's approaching this. They think the league is using this as a bargaining chip, like, like the threat, like, Hey, we, we're going to draw it back and we're going to dial things back. And, and a lot of players are going to lose a lot of money and that's going to hurt um, how players look at the union. Whereas I think the union's like, look, you won't, nobody really wants to do this. And I talk to team, like I'll talk to general managers and general managers are like, we're going to spread this out. Right. Like that's the question. They're like, we're, we're not going to do this all at once. This is going to get spread out of the length of the cap. Right. And I, I would think that when it comes down to it, they'll figure out a large window to to spread out the the revenue loss because players aren't going to incur it. This whole idea of a thirty five percent salary give back is not going to like that's a non starter. Um, I think they'll meet somewhere in the middle, but I I don't see this being something up front that's going to be a massive problem. As far as Dalvin Cook goes, look, that's a whole other <laughs> like side like you know, health and, you know, how running backs get paid now and which running backs, you know, um, Alvin, like an Alva Kamara, um, McCaffrey type versus a, a Derrick Henry type. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff for the Vikings to figure out about Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Running backs are just kind of screwed until they come up with a way to just get more money out of the draft. You know, by the time they get to their second contract, all right, here I am. I've run for a thousand yeah. yards four years in a row. Right. Cool. We don't trust you. So it, it no, it has to be a, it really, it has to be a, um, like you have to be a McCaffrey type. You have to be someone who catches a lot of passes, who's on the field every single down, who's durable, frankly, you know, you, you're, you're there, uh, 15 games, 16 games. Um, you can pass block, you can pla- you know, pass protect. Um, those are the guys that are going to get continued to Saquon Barkley is going to be a guy that's at the top of that scale. Whereas Derrick Henry, people look at the Derrick Henry deal and they're like, well, geez, that's a pretty cheap deal for a guy who's clearly the best running, like running, running back in football last year. And the offense seemed to function through him. 
well, the team's like your limit, you know, you're not McCaffrey and your market's not going to be McCaffrey. Have you looked at the running back market the next couple of years? There's a glut. So you're going to have a problem getting paid. Yep. Football. Great stuff, Charles. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Charles Robinson, Yahoo Sports. That's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next time. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.